This podcast was recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains and the Baramadigal of the Darug Nation. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. COVID-19 not the area Corona vibes in the area Best to stick to your own area George Fatulation in the area Shares a white dog Hi and welcome to Season 3 of The Colour Cycle, a podcast that aims to disrupt cultural whitewashing and provide strategies for cultural and racial equity in the creative sector. I'm Lena Nahlus, the Executive Director of Diversity Arts, or DARTS for short. Earlier this season, we talked about the importance of building physical spaces, theatres, film companies and galleries, to support the work of culturally diverse artists and creatives. We explore this further in this episode through spotlighting the work of Nexus Arts in Adelaide, South Australia, who we partnered with a few years back for the Diverse Screens exhibition as part of the Adelaide Fringe. But first, what happens when a global pandemic shuts down these spaces? Zainab Mir is a Sydney-based artist and comic maker who explores themes of identity, displacement and personal history. She's also the joint coordinator of the Refugee Art Project. I talked to Zainab about how COVID-19 affected her practice and her specific experiences of COVID racism. Hi, my name is Sarah Mir. Uh, I'm a coordinator in the Fuji Art Project. It's now three years down with the Fuji Art Project and I do both art and coordination. So can you tell me about your creative practice before COVID, the kind of work that you did, who you worked with, you know, did you do exhibitions? Can you tell me about that? Before COVID, I was um, doing comics mainly and um, I've also made a film with the Fuji Art Project and the film went into exhibition and with comics, we went into comic readings and some gatherings with comic people. <laughs> so you had exhibitions here mostly at Thurning Villa? In galleries as well. And how has COVID-19 affected your art practice? Like what has changed as a result of covid well, the first thing that happened was that I lost my job, <laughs> which as a result of it, I was trying to get organized and see if I could find another job. And um, that made my time a bit messy. So before that, I was more organized doing art during my free time. But after that, I was just more focused on what I'm going to do if I need to do another course to get an, into another field. And I spent uh, pretty much a lot of time just to study other stuff, just to see because this condition is not clear. I saw what might be the next, what is the best job after this. And I spend a lot of time just um, looking for a job. Meanwhile, I'm trying to get organized and go back and do art again. Before COVID, I started this comic, which um, is now on hold and I'm trying to get organized and do back and doing this comic again. I mean, can you kind of describe in more detail about the kind of comic style that you have, the oh, kinds okay. of the graphic <laughs> the graphic novels that you've been working on? I'm now uh, in Australia for 15 years and I've been working and um, been, in, been in the community for 15 years. So I'm trying to reflect on my experiences with Australian society in Sydney. And this comic is especially about the change of name that I had from an Islamic name to a more Western name just to adapt to community. Because <laughs> your name's not... yeah. Really, Sarah? No, no. No, no. 
Yeah. Zainab. Zainab, yeah. Zainab, okay. But you prefer to be called Sarah or Zainab? Yeah, no, Sarah. Sarah, Sarah. okay. Yeah. Can I, I say friends. Zainab is a yeah, beautiful name? Why did you change your name? Oh, it was a... It was mainly because of my work, because I work in business environment and sometimes I find that the name just, someone confronts me because of they assume that my name's bringing up some religion and they confront me and then all my energy is wasted during that day just thinking about it or explaining myself and that is not work related. I would waste less energy if I just changed my name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have you had any support during this time? Like kind of, have you been able to get job seeker? Have you been able to get grants or funding? You said you, you've lost your yeah. main job. So how have you been surviving? Well, I was mainly on job seeker. I'm constantly looking for a job and trying to update myself with my career and education and see what's the best way. But yeah, job seeker. You and I were talking earlier about um, some of the impacts of COVID-19 on you personally, your experiences when you're at university, yeah. when it hit? Um... Well, with my experience um, with university was that um, the first stage of COVID, which picked in Iran and some Iranian came to Australia in Brisbane. And and then I was at uh, Sydney University in class of political economy. And uh, as soon as I said, I'm Iranian, some uh, lady just took a space and said oh have you been in Iran recently and then um, I find just this weird vibe of discrimination <laughs> for a while I felt like I have to experience that it's like years I haven't been to Iran and I live here for 15 years despite I look at Iranian <laughs> yeah. yeah like you have to justify yeah, yourself justify somehow I haven't been in Iran <laughs> yeah <laughs> And what about your family in Iran? Oh, yeah. The Iran condition with COVID is very bad. And my family, they got infected. My brother um, is a nurse and his family got infected and my mom. But they all hope are covered now. But I could see with refugees, especially the one that have family in Iran, that um, they, their mother got infected and they were super stressed. And it was heart condition. But luckily, they all are recovered now. So... How has kind of COVID-19 changed you and changed the work that you do or your outlook on the world? Has it changed you? Like, has it had an impact? Oh, well, definitely, because um, I could take time to think about my job and see what I want to do, both in creative art and in my own professional field. And um, it was good that I could use this time and also... It gave me somehow more time to be involved in the Fuji Art Project as well. So I'm planning to go ahead with women and work in the Fuji Art Project more. Now that I have time, I, I could come here more. Because they recently get in touch with me, some refugee women, they lost their job because of COVID. They were in vulnerable jobs like customer service and waitressing. And they contact me and they said they want to do more art. Now they don't, they don't have job. And um, I try to organize some days so they come and use this space and um, get more creative and see what we could do with the outcome uh, vulnerable groups like asylum seekers they always need uh, supports especially that they're not in very safe jobs what lessons do you think we can kind of learn people living in australia can learn from covid and you were talking earlier about the experience of people who've been in long-term detention yeah, yeah. you know how it kind of compares to yep. to these experiences of a lockdown yep 
Well, I think it's a good chance for Australians to see this condition of lockdown and not be able to going out of Australia as a condition that refugees live in for 10 years. Like asylum seekers, they live in isolation and uh, they were separated from their families overseas for nearly 10 years. And this is a good situation that they could sympathize and realize their condition. And do you think that's been happening? Do you think there's been more of that understanding as a result? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I've tried to tell my close friend that this is how an asylum seeker could feel like not not allowed, not being able to go out of Australia and uh, they could just see a little bit of what they experience. Yeah. Adelaide-based Nexus Arts is the only contemporary arts organisation in South Australia with a focus on culturally diverse and intercultural artistic practice. It's an interdisciplinary venue with an art gallery, a recording studio and a performance space. So when the COVID-19 pandemic forced the closure of galleries and entertainment venues, the Nexus Arts team moved quickly to program digital exhibitions to support its artists and also honoured all artists' fees. It was Nexus Arts that presented our diverse screens exhibition and a panel discussion as part of the Adelaide Fringe Festival a few years ago. Through diverse screens, we commissioned creatives to explore issues of cultural equity in the creative sector. And we're sharing this conversation with you from our archives because the themes are still really relevant in terms of the conversations that we've been having over the last year. We also want to share as much of our content with you as we can as we move in and out of lockdown. In Adelaide, I hosted a Q&A session with Adelaide and Sydney screen producers and artists, including Elia Salavi, Ali Musawi, Jackie Tran, Roxy Vung and Eladio Zavasi. It also comes with a language warning.
While in Adelaide, I also had the chance to visit Elias Alavi in his studio. He's a poet and painter originally from Afghanistan who fled his home at the age of six, living in refugee camps in Pakistan and doing most of his schooling in Iran. In 2007, Elias arrived in Australia. Elias is an internationally renowned poet, best known for his work in Afghanistan and Iran, where he's published three books. But his work, originally written in Farsi, has not been translated into English. So when he came to Australia, Elias shifted his focus onto painting, installation and performance art. His beautiful, powerful and confronting work draws on his childhood in Afghanistan. And at the time that I spoke with him, he said his works were often considered too challenging for mainstream contemporary galleries. Since our conversation a few years ago, Elias's career has really taken off and he's exhibited and done residencies throughout Australia and internationally. I hope to catch up with Elias for another Colour Cycle conversation soon. Yeah, as you mentioned, um, um, with the finding the right translator is very important, especially for po- poetry, because it's, it's much more difficult. Um, in any case, you would lose um, some percentage of the quality of the poem once you translate it to another language. But um, I believe like the, the best translator uh, is who could rewrite the poem, uh, rewrite the second poem as if, like another poem. And um, so, yeah, it it is very, very crucial. I mean, I did work with uh, other other translators, which they did also really an amazing job. Uh, One of them uh, is a Polish Polish translator, and um, she did translate more than 25 of my poems, and it is in a a collection of poems with... uh, with other other poets from Afghanistan, um, published in in UK, but uh, but yeah, my dream is hopefully publish um, like a like a um, a book uh, of my own in English. In terms of visual arts, what are some of those barriers? So if you could go back to when you first came and imagine what you would have liked there to have been to provide support for you as an artist who was kind of uh, starting out as a visual artist? Were there things that programs, connections, um, certain kinds of support that would have helped you? Yeah, so when I came to um, um, Australia, I found it quite very difficult to get to art art scene in in Adelaide. 
Adelaide is a very small city which has its own benefits. Um, it is quite affordable to have a, a small studio or it's quite easy in terms of transport as well. But it's also, um, there are less opportunities to exhibit and, and, and to um, find the right galleries and, 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 and find the, the right collectors or, or, or curators. And as if like there is a, there's like a kind of a closed need, you know, it's just, um, I found it very challenging to, um, to get inside the invisible circle of, of artists in a way. And I think my background was one of the factors that uh, kind of um, hold me back as well. Because my work wasn't very, um, was quite different to what most of the galleries um looking for and or maybe they could uh, engage with um yeah so i found it quite quite challenging maybe because uh because most of my work deals with the um political and the, the social things in in my homeland afghanistan or iran and also in australia as well but but it is not very interesting for the um, say for the Australian audience um of or for the for the galleries. So so I found it um especially for for the for the start it, it is very, very challenging. You said that, that it wouldn't be interesting or relevant to Australian audiences, but maybe that was more of an yeah. idea that it wouldn't be because yeah. I find this work incredibly interesting and relevant and I feel like given how diverse Australia is, whether or not you're from an Anglo-Saxon background or, or not, people will, will find this work really engaging and, and, and have resonance. So perhaps it was like about shifting sure, people's yeah. ideas yeah. of what they, Definitely. the kinds of... Yeah. What, would you, what would have helped you back then? I think it could be in different, different ways. One of them was the, the institution, the educational institutions. They... Uh, they definitely can, can play a big part uh, on this. I studied at the University of South Australia, which is a which is a really great university, you know, uh, and I really enjoyed um, uh, studying there. But I also find it um, quite. Um, I find it quite. Um, I found myself quite outside there, in in the university. Uh, there was no. Um, there was no lecturer coming from any other background, for example. There was no lecturers um, who showing more works from um, artists from other other backgrounds, um, rather than, as you mentioned, just European art and, and uh, Australian art. And even like just the type of encouragement and the type of guidance was uh, was more of a like if you want to do um, abstract, just these are the best examples of abstract art, and, and these are the best examples of the of the portrait art, and that. So in a way, you f- you feel like oh, you need to get away more from your background and culture and art, and then trying to um, be like like them, you know. Which um, yeah, which which. So I think there is room to um, to work on this in in. In, in universities and, and other art institutions and also having organisations and galleries who, who um, have interest in showing, showing works by, by artists from, from our other backgrounds is very important in Adelaide we have only, only I, I know only one gallery which really um, and truly supporting, um, sort of supporting artists like myself and, and that's Nexus Arts which is um, 
every year they they're trying to show works by different artists, Australian Australian artists and also artists from 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 cold, cold background, which is a sense for culturally and linguistically linguistically diverse backgrounds. Yeah, so every year they they're trying to show at least one or two new artists um, as if they introduce them to the to the arts in 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 Adelaide, which is very important. It's obviously really important and wonderful, and we're working with Nexus this week in in Adelaide, so I'm a fan of their work. But in the long term, is it sustainable for people like you to? only have access to spaces that are for culturally diverse artists or for refugee artists or for migrant artists? Like in terms of long-term sustainability, do you always want to be exhibiting under that banner, under that title? Or Definitely not because uh, you, you do want to show in, in other galleries and also go, in, um, go to other, other estates as well. So I think there's not um, there's not many galleries um, which really welcoming works by uh, by artists like myself, and yeah, and and there's lots of room to room for for change there. I think that was one of the maybe one of the reasons that I myself and and I know that my friends, which I talk to them as well, they some of them they already moved to other estates, especially like Melbourne and Sydney. And they found it more diverse there than Adelaide. And, and uh, I mean, I do uh, think of um, moving to another state, uh, more likely to Melbourne. And that's one of the reasons as well. Just uh, I found that there was not much um, space to to grow, uh, grow here. Um, and I mean, to go to other levels. Um, uh, maybe that that's one of the reasons that from this year I'm... I don't have any exhibitions in Adelaide, for example, and uh, I would have exhibitions in Melbourne and Sydney, which I'm really happy. And I, I found that they kind of supported me more in in terms of like welcoming uh, my ideas and even it might be even just ideas for a start and, and, and quite abstract, but they kind of really supported, the, um, which is great. Yeah. But it's kind of like chicken and egg because you creating this work is giving people the appetite for this work and is creating, you know, a culture of this work. And I would totally argue this is Australian work. But it's it's kind of makes me feel a bit disappointed when I hear that in, in a lot of ways the ways in which art is being taught at a kind of university level or a college level hasn't changed so substantially given how big our communities are here who are who are from the Middle East because you know Middle Eastern ancestry is a major part of being Australian these days whether it's from Iran or an Arab-speaking country or Afghanistan or so on this note one of the things that you and I talked about and that you know I found really interesting is that you do workshops and do training with young people in schools and you were saying how you, when you see those African children in the classroom or you see Middle Eastern kids in the classroom, you make sure that you take in artwork um, from artists from their cultural heritage and background that, that gives them a kind of, you know, connection to that, to connection to the idea that they could be an artist, that, that it is part, you know, that they're not just seeing, you know, they're not just seeing um, Monet or Brett, Brett Whiteley or, <laughs> you know, that they're actually seeing... Yeah, I always, uh, I mean, I love teaching, not as a full-time job, but I always uh, love to do a bit of teaching every every year. Since even I was in I- Iran doing my um, 
my high school. I was uh, accepted to do a summer school, uh, and that was that was really great. So I taught there, and then I, uh, when I came to Australia, um, the first project was also with Nexus, working with uh, with two schools um, for twenty weeks, which was a very beautiful project. And then f- the, every year I did a few weeks working with the schools, and I always do mention to the teachers as well and to, to the school that. I think it, it is very important to um, to have uh, to having artists uh, who also coming from another background to coming in and uh, running some workshops, even if if their school is more predominantly, for example, um, white white and white environment. It is also very important to, to to have artists coming from other background because it's really showing them, look, um, that person can can capable of creating amazing artworks and 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 you can work with him or her and um, so it, it does really um, uh, change um, their their mindset on that age, which is very very important. I do believe the new generation, the young generation, they are the the people who can really. Um, who can really change change future? Which is um, most of these school which which I which I work with them, they have a population of um, students coming from from different backgrounds. Sometimes there are um, bullying happening and those issues of um, um, one group of students making fun of um, um, one of the students coming from another background. So in these arts, artists in residences um, um, programs, I really, really make sure that if there is one one, one, one kid from, say, um, Sudan, to find good example of S- Sudanese uh, art and, and, and history and, and culture and then show them, um, show to everyone. Um, so in many cases, uh, I remember one in one example, there was one... Chinese girl which she was very shy and in these 10 weeks of workshops I felt that maybe in week 5 or 6 she was quite proud of her Chinese heritage and and Chinese art because each time I was among the more than 20 images I would show at the first of each workshop there would be one from China and uh, first even she didn't want to say that oh I was asking, oh, where is it? What is that location? And she would not put her hand up. But after, she was very happy and, and she would ex- even talk about it. So, and I, and I think that's a, that's a change for her and, and also for all of the, all of her classmates as well. And yeah, so I do think once they grow up, they would be more um, inclusive and, and, and more and more understanding um other yeah other other people I mean I guess also it, it's the possibility there's a possibility I could do this I could be an artist there are Definitely. other artists in the world who are lo- like from backgrounds like mine and sometimes we never see those examples and we have to aspire to kind of you know following the European canon of art um, and thank you so much for joining me uh, in your studio and making the time thank you so much for coming <laughs> Organisations like Nexus Arts are vital in showcasing and supporting artists like Elias. But how do we crack the mainstream arts sector that possesses the vast share of resources? Does it mean artists from refugee or immigrant backgrounds are forced to move to bigger cities to find galleries willing to show their work? These are some of the questions I discussed with Adelaide-based Yusuf Ali Hayet. Hey, I'm Yusuf Hayet. We're here at Nexus Arts, Nexus Multicultural Arts in Adelaide. 
I've just finished honours in visual arts. I've just finished my regular job yesterday. So I think as of today, I am a full-time artist, which feels really weird to say. Congratulations. So is, um, is there enough diversity in the visual arts sector in Adelaide? Do you feel hopeful? I do feel hopeful. There's a lot of really good people that I can look to who have set good examples. Um, Ilyas Alavi, for one, um, he put on a great show this year where he mentored some young emerging artists. So I think there's there's a lot of hope. We've got Waqt al-Taghir um, opening at Ace Open this week. So the signs are really good that the space is opening up and there's lots of space for, for, for lots of different voices. And there are some really strong voices over the last few years that I can look to for support and inspiration and encouragement. Have you had any challenges in terms of your own journey into the art sector? I'm so new to this. Um, I'm really just straight out of art school. Um, it's, it's really hard to say. I think what was really interesting is in today's panel, some of the things Ilyas mentioned about where he's questioning his own integrity I think it's really interesting that he felt that when he did abstract work, it wasn't well received. But when he was talking from his experience as an Afghani or his experience as an asylum seeker, that that was better received. And I think it's that performance of culture. Um, and that, that's really interesting from a more experienced and more established artist than myself, that that has been their experience. So that probably indicates um, what I can expect. <laughs> having to perform your culture. Um, if you can imagine a future art sector, a future visual art sector that you're participating in, what would you like it to look like? It's <laughs> not a big uh, question. It, it kind of is. Um, but also, after having listened to today's panel and listening to Ali, who has or was offered a position on the integrity of his CV and of what he has done and what he brings... I think an art sector that recognises people for for exactly what they bring and who they are, um, not their visa status. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Here are three key takeaways to leave you with. Number one, seeing yourself and others like you reflected on screen or in galleries is powerful for all of us. Artists play a crucial role in reflecting the diversity of the nation in ways that build community and people's sense of identity and that strengthen our connectedness. Number two, we need to build an arts and screen sector that recognises artists for what they bring and doesn't require them to perform their culture. Number three, education is crucial to lasting change. Introduce students to art practices and forms beyond the European-American canon. The school curricula must reflect the pluralism of artists and art forms that make up Australia and the different ways they create and express culture. As Elias says, the children of today are the future change makers. This episode of The Colour Cycle is made by Diversity Arts Australia. We're Australia's national organisation advocating for cultural and racial equity in the arts, screen and creative sectors. Find us wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit our website for more, diversityarts.org.au. And please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and leave us a rating on your favourite podcast app. 
Send us your thoughts, comments and feedback by recording a voice memo on your phone and email it to us at info at diversityarts.org.au. We love hearing from you. Support this podcast by becoming a Colour Cycle patron. You can make a small donation through Patreon and remember any size is welcome, even the price of a weekly coffee. You can find us at patreon.com slash diversityartsaustralia. This podcast and the work we do at Diversity Arts is supported by Create New South Wales and the Australia Council for the Arts. Thank you also to organisational partner Information and Cultural Exchange. And a massive thank you to Nexus Arts in Adelaide and to Liverpool and Fairfield City Councils who provided additional support for diverse screens. The opening and closing track, You Know What, was written in response to COVID-19's impact on the arts by UK-based musician and producer Spider J. Additional music was composed by Sarah Mendoza, one of the young digital producers who took part in Diversity Arts' Storycasters program, a training and mentorship hub for young, culturally diverse digital producers. Thank you to Multicultural New South Wales and Create New South Wales who support the program. This episode was produced by Jennifer Macy, with production support from Diversity Arts' Sonia Mermand and Claire Cow, and Storycasters podcast producers Alison Tanu Disastro and Veer Kaula. I'm Lena Nahlus, thanks for listening, and yalla bye, ma salami. <laughs> <laughs>